sixtyfold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. Their silver and their gold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. The whole earth will be consumed by his fiery anger because he will put an end, a frightening end, to those who live on the earth. Unless you've been living under a rock these past number of months, you know what's happening in Europe right now as we speak. You know about the the horrible fear that has gripped the hearts of all Europeans, and especially the Greeks. Their nation is poised to, to go into receivership or bankruptcy. And all Europe knows that if Greece declares bankruptcy, then it will be just a matter of time. It will cause a domino effect. It will be the Italians, it will be, it'll be Spain, it will be Portugal, and on and on it will go. Zephaniah says their silver and their gold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. Some of you, uh, if you watch the news, you'll know, again, if you don't live under a rock, you'll know about the Occupy Wall Street movement. How many have heard of that? You've heard of that. You know what I'm talking about? It's a group of people who are scared, a group of people who are fed up with the, with the thieving, the stealing that goes on on Wall Street, and the people are rallying. They want to see an end to this. People are looking for answers. They're looking for an end to the way economies operate, the way capitalism, a money-loving world, has functioned for, for so long. This capitalistic, money-loving world is in trouble. And Zephaniah reminds us, speaking the very words of God, says their silver and their gold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. In my personal devotions recently, the Lord has impressed upon me the lateness of the hour. Um, what do I mean by that? The lateness of the hour. Well, very simply this. That Jesus is coming soon. Now, I know some of you, as soon as I say that, you think, oh, man, I've been hearing that for years. My grandmother talked about it. My great-grandmother talked about it. And so, Pastor, like, really, what are you saying? Well, let me just say this this morning. Never in the history of, of this world have we had so many signs align themselves to point to a very imminent end to things as we know them. Now, I'm not suggesting that the whole world's going to blow up uh, at any minute. I'm not saying that. Well, what I am saying is this, is that things as we know it, the times as we know them, are coming to an end. And anybody who, who is a, a news junkie like I am, I mean, that's the main reason why I want to have cable so I can watch the news programs. I want to know what's going on in the world. It fascinates me. If you are keeping up with the news on the Internet or reading, uh, you know, a newspaper, then you know that this world is in a, is in a state of massive change. It's a, it, we're at a turning point. We're recognizing that not one or two governments have what it takes to keep this world under control. 
And so we've got summits, 20 nations, financial ministers coming together to figure out how to fix things. Their silver and their gold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. You see, here's the thing, people. We live in a day and an age when people believe if you have enough money, you can fix anything. If you just publish more money on your money press, you can fix anything. And the fact of the matter is, is that the whole world right now, as we know it, is in a, is what we would call a global financial crisis. And it shouldn't surprise us because economists, which I'm not, I'm not an economist, I don't pretend to be an economist, uh, I'm a pastor that knows what the Bible says, and I'm a pastor that watches and listens to the news. But you will see very clearly that the world as we know it is in a, is in a state of change. And I'm going to tell you this. In the 1980s, I saw all the movies. I don't know if anybody here remembers the Christian movies that came in, out uh, about the end of times. Uh, some said it would, it would literally scare the hell out of you. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way, but truly, people, I mean, I remember showing that movie, those movies when I was a youth pastor and kids coming forward, giving their hearts to Jesus because they were afraid that uh, they were going to be in trouble. But I can tell you that I, I've never been convinced up until just recently that this is really it. This is, this is the end of time. And I'm going to tell you why in just a few moments. But I'll tell you when it began for me. It began for me with Al Gore's movie, An Inconvenient Truth. Now, I, I don't really, I'm not really interested too much in really what your opinion is about that. But I will say this, that, that science clearly proves that the world is in, is in a state of change. Unlike anything that we've ever seen in recorded, in recorded history. Massive changes taking place in the world today. Some call it global warming, uh, you can call it whatever you want, but the fact is that things are changing. That's when I began to wake up to the fact that, hey, this, this is it, and it could be any time now. It could be any day now. Sea levels are rising, that's, that's it's documented, it's there. The Maldives, the South Pacific uh, nation, they are extremely concerned because they believe that if the water levels rise much more, that their whole nation will be submerged. And so what they did to get the attention of the whole world is that they had uh, a meeting underwater. They had all their, all their uh, leaders of their country meet for an underwater scuba tanks and whatever to have, their, to have this meeting to talk about this. It was a, an underwater summit. They want to... They want to broadcast a message loud and clear to the whole world that if things don't change, that there will be one nation, that will be one nation, that will be totally lost. The world, my friends, is in a state of major change. Nobody would deny that, Christian or not. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. Let's take a look at that passage of Scripture. And if you would just read that with me. People will faint as they fearfully wait for what will happen to the world. Indeed, the powers of the universe will be shaken. Then people will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, stand with confidence, the time when you will be set free is near. And if you know this in another translation, maybe the authorized version, you know this is the passage that says, 
stand up because your redemption draws. You know that verse. Your redemption is very near. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to, I want to ask the question, what is the, what is the Spirit of the Lord saying to us today? And what, what is our response to that? What does God want us to do in response to that? Well, I want to take us to Luke 21. And in Luke 21, we find Jesus telling his disciples what the end of time will be like. Some of the disciples, it says in verse 5, some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned in beautiful stones with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the times will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? And then Jesus begins to tell them. Now, I just want, before we go any further, some of you may read that and be confused because it seems like Jesus is talking about a very imminent event and something that is happening in the future. And if you think that, well, you're right on both accounts. This is, this is the, the dualism in so much of prophecy. This is what we see. In, there's, a, there's a message for right now and a message for what is to come. And so if you understand that, then you'll be able to read that and interpret that correctly. So Jesus is at once talking about the very soon and imminent destruction of Jerusalem, which took place just 40 years from the time of that prophecy. But Jesus is also talking about the, not just the end of Jerusalem, but the end of the world as we know it. And we find that in Luke 21. So if you thought maybe Jesus was confused or that the Bible was confusing, it's not. It's just the dualism that we find so often in prophecy. Now, some of you may be sitting here today and say, you know, Pastor, isn't there far more important things to be talking about this morning than prophecy and about the end of the world? And we've been talking about that for decades. Well, let me just tell you this. If you actually open your Bible and read it, which I recommend that you do every day, you will discover that prophecy makes up about a third, almost a third of the whole Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we, and we, we find the very first prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, which I'm not going to get into right now. But you need to understand that, that prophecy is, is of the utmost importance to understand your faith and to understand what God wants to do in this world today. So you need to know it, and you need to know your Bible. If you read your Bible and it doesn't always make sense, well, people, like, don't give, throw your hands up and say, oh, well, I don't understand it, so therefore it can't be true. What you need to understand is that this is, first of all, an ancient document that has withstood the test of time. And we're seeing that absolutely every one of the prophecies ever mentioned in this book actually has come to pass or is yet to come to pass. So on that basis, we recognize the authority of this word. Now let's take a look again at what Jesus is saying about the end of times. And I'm going to, if you'll permit me, I usually stand up or don't use my notes, but this morning I need to because I've got a number of things I need to read to you. So do you mind if I sit down, anybody? Oh, you, you can't say no because you're sitting. So here I am. Okay, are you ready for this? So here's the very first thing Jesus says about the end of time. In Luke chapter 21, verse 10, Jesus says this. Then Jesus continued, nation will fight against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So it's always been the case, right? But here's the thing, people. If you actually track the wars, the skirmishes, the fights, 
that have happened between nations, we discover, and it's Mark, Professor Mark Harrison who, who points this out, we discover that there is in a, a consistent increase in the frequency of wars in the world today. Now listen to this. Between 1870 and 1913, the frequency of wars increased on average by 6% per year during that time. It increased. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, with the increase of education, the increase in learning and you know, being more sophisticated and a little bit more flush financially, you would think that we wouldn't be so primitive, we wouldn't be fighting each other, right? Wrong. The frequency of wars increased by 17% per year in the period between the First and the Second World Wars. Increased dramatically. And then watch this. That period during the Cold War, the frequency of wars increased by a full 31%. Now, in case there's some young people here who don't remember what the Cold War is, very, you know, very briefly in a nutshell, it's that time in, in our history, the last century, when, when the West was a declared enemy of communism. Everybody remember that? I don't know if some of you do. I, I certainly do. There was uh, a hatred, and we established uh, an organization called NATO. So that would sort of be the, the front line in the, the attack against the communists, should they ever, ever break out and attack. This was the, area, the, the era called the Cold War, and it ended basically in, at the fall of the Berlin Wall. Does anybody remember that, 1989? I remember where I was. Gloria and I were in, in Greece at the time, and we could not believe our ears that this was actually happening. We were seeing the fall of communism. At that time, I thought, well, something is very strange is happening in the world today. And during this time, even though a bomb was never dropped, even though they were sworn enemies, even though, does anybody remember the, the, the clock that they set up telling you how much time we had left? Even though the, that minute hand was just like one minute to midnight, Nothing happened, but around the communists, around Russia and around the USA, wars increased by full 31%. But that's nothing. In the 1990s, the frequency of wars between states rose by a full 36% per year. And everybody's scratching their head asking, how can this be? With the increase in education and the increase in prosperity, it shouldn't be. Folks, listen to me. You have to understand what the human animal is really all about. We're self-centered, we're power-hungry, and we need a Savior. We need help. Jesus tells us this in Luke 21.10. But then he says, but you know what, you're going to see this, but that's not the end yet. Don't be afraid. It's not the end yet. There's more to come. And then he goes on in verse 11. It says this, there will be terrible earthquakes, famines, and dreadful diseases in various places. Terrifying sights and miraculous signs will come from the sky. Now remember, folks, this is not just this Pastor Alan sort of coming up with his own interpretation of the Bible. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. Now I'm not going to talk about earthquakes just at the moment, but let me just point out this, this, uh, what Jesus says about famines. Has anybody heard about what's been happening in East Africa since mid-July? They're experiencing what some are calling the worst drought that's ever hit that area in recorded history. And not only that, and here's the, here's the, the terribly sad thing, is that there's a full 1,500 people dying every day. 
By the end of this day, 1,500 people will have died of, of, the, of famine and drought. Jesus said, this is one of the signs of the ends of the days. And I could go on about that, but I don't have time this morning. But then we move down to verse 25. Listen to what it says. Verse 25. Miraculous signs will occur in the sun, moon, and stars, and the nations of the earth. Listen to this. The nations of the earth. The global community. Not just a few nations, but all the nations, from the USA to, to Finland, Greenland, the, the, the Antarctic, all the way to, uh, to the Maldives. The nations of the earth will be deeply troubled and confused because of the roaring and the tossing of the sea. Again, we have seen things in our era, and it's just in the last seven years, that nobody had seen or heard of much up until these past seven years. And folks, it's not just one disaster, but it's one disaster after another. The nations of the earth will be deeply troubled and confused because of the roaring and the tossing of the sea. In this past seven years, in just these past seven years, we have witnessed three major oceanic devastations of, gar of gargantuan proportions. Shocking. Does anybody remember Boxing Day 2004? Watching uh, the sound of music and all of a sudden it's interrupted by, by an announcement that Asia has had a, a massive earthquake that has in turn created a massive tsunami that has in turn wiped out a quarter million people. It's the devastation so, so huge, so massive that we can't even get our heads around what that means. We're talking about nearly half of Winnipeg being completely wiped out. No wonder the nations of the earth will be deeply troubled and confused because of the roaring and the tossing of the sea. And then some of you know that at just the very beginning of this year, as if we haven't had enough of tsunamis and disasters and earthquakes, the earthquakes, by the, which, by the way, which Jesus told us would, would come to us. There will be terrible earthquakes, Jesus said. Terrifying sights. This year, in April, an earthquake, 8.9 on the Richter scale, hit Japan, causing $300 billion worth of damage. $300 billion. And they say that that is the absolute worst disaster, the worst, most expensive disaster on record, the most expensive. The Japanese Prime Minister said it is the worst, most difficult disaster that we have ever faced in our history. 13,135 people left dead. A nuclear plant spewing out radioactive material, threatening sea life, threatening the lives of the Japanese. No wonder the nations of the earth will be deeply troubled, confused, because of the roaring and the tossing of the sea. And then remember 2005, what happened? Terrible, terrible hurricanes. One called Katrina. Literally took the Gulf, literally took the Gulf of Mexico and flooded 90,000 square miles of the southern states. Seven states were terribly, terribly affected by this catastrophe. 
1,836 people dead. New Orleans completely, almost completely submerged in ocean water. The cost? $81.2 billion. The most expensive disaster in American, on American record. And Zephaniah said, their silver and their gold will not be able to rescue them on the day of the Lord's overflowing fury. 300 billion, 81.2 billion. Uh, and I don't know if anybody has actually put a price tag on the, on the Asian tsunami which wiped out a quarter million people. But what we do know is this. Is that while we're busy worshiping our God Mammon, we're finding that our God Mammon, or money, if you will, just can't quite cut the mustard. You know what I'm saying? We need the God of the universe. We need the assistance of the God of the universe. And this morning, I want to say this to every, everyone here. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, this is it? It's my conviction that, in fact, this is it. And so you say, well, Pastor, what am I going to do with all this information? You're scaring the daylights out of me. Well, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Get ready. Get ready. Be ready. Has anybody ever heard of a two-minute warning? In the National Football League, they have a two-minute warning. In Canada, they've got what? A three-minute warning. I like it in Canada. Three-minute warning. And the three-minute warning is... is is given to warn the players that the game is about to be done. This morning, what I'm giving you is a, is a two-minute warning. I'm giving you the warning that the end is near. And I can tell you that, again, after 30 years of being in the ministry, I've never been more convinced of this than I have been just these last few years. Here's what Jesus says. Luke 21, verse 34 to 36. And maybe if you could read that with me. Make sure that you don't become drunk, hungover, and worried about life. Then that day could suddenly catch you by surprise, like a trap that catches a bird. That day will surprise all people who live on the earth. Be alert at all times. Pray so that you have the power to escape everything that is about to happen and to stand in front of the Son of Man. Do you understand today where we're at? Jesus is warning us that we need to be ready. But I've got to share with you one last, one major final sign of the very end. And folks, it's, the, it's this. It's the rise of a powerful one-world government led by a dictator who will be possessed by none other than Satan himself, and we call him the Antichrist. You know who I'm talking about. This, the, the world will turn to this false messiah to save them when their economy crashes and the threat of war and world chaos forces them to unite under one world government. Now you can see right now the stage is being set for exactly this. I'm going to tell you this. It just makes sense. It's logical that there would be a one-world government, a one-world currency. It just makes sense.
But Jesus says this. He says, this will be the sign. And if we look at the signs offered in Daniel and in the Olivet Discourses in Matthew 24, 25, Mark 13, and Luke 21, we see that the signs have all fallen into place. We've got one last sign, and it's the appearing of the false Messiah, which we call the Antichrist. Now here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 15. He says, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Reader, be alert. Reader, don't shrug it off. Take it to heart and get ready for what's to come. Now this sacrilegious object that Jesus is talking about is a direct reference to Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel prophesies about what's going to happen in that one week, that week which we call the tribulation. And I, I regret that we don't have time to get into this in more depth, but let me just say this. What's going to happen is that when the, when the Antichrist is revealed, he will be one who sets up or signs a peace treaty with Israel for the first time in the history of, or the short history of this Jewish government. For the first time, there will be peace with the Jews for three and a half years. And at the three and a half year point, the Antichrist will actually set up what Jesus called that sacrilegious object, or as, as some of you may know it from your childhood, the abomination that causes desecration. It's an image of himself. He's going to set that up in the temple, expecting all of Israel to worship him. But Israel will understand and recognize, of course, that they can worship none other but God himself. Antichrist's identity will be revealed at that time when he sets up his image. And then here's what's going to happen. You ready for this? If you think that the Jewish people had it bad under Hitler during the Second World War, what's to come is going to be even worse. There'll be one final, one last final merciless persecution of Jews. Now, I don't know what your, what your eschatology is. I mean, by that I mean I don't know what your theology is about the last days. Some people believe in what we call a pre-trib and a mid-trib and a post-trib, which means basically this. If you're pre-trib, you believe that Jesus will rapture you out of this world and you'll miss out on all the persecution. If you're mid-trib, it means you're going to be, you'll be present for the first good years of the Antichrist, but then God will remove you. And if you're post-trib, then you're going to go through the tribulation. You're going to go through the persecution with the Jews. So here's the thing. You're going to find out when it happens, so you just better be ready. You may or you may not go through persecution. I suspect that what's going to happen is that those of us who are Christ followers, who call, who call ourselves Christians, we are already beginning to feel the pain. We're starting to feel the pressure from a secular world that is basically sick and tired of our intolerance. Now, please understand something. No Christian ever sets out to be intolerant. At least, you shouldn't. What makes us seem intolerant to this world is what we believe. And what we believe are the standards set by God for a broken, lost, and hurting people. 
This is what will appear as unacceptable. And we will begin to see a persecution of both Jews and Christians. The worst of which will happen during the tribulation. Now, it's, it's at the end of this week that our Messiah will return when Jesus will come from heaven. But this, this seven-year period that we're talking about right now is what the book of Revelation is all about. Go check it out, and you're going to see what's going to happen. And this, is why, this is why the Christian world watches so closely what is happening in Israel today. Because here's the thing. They're watching for a world leader who will sign a treaty with Israel for that precise period of seven years. When that happens, my friends, you will know who the Antichrist is, and you will know that Jesus is about to be revealed at any time. You say, well, when, when could this happen? Well, here's what I think. I think it, we're ripe right now for a world leader. Would anybody disagree with that? I mean, the world wants it badly. This is why we've got Occupy Wall Street. They're looking for somebody to take charge of the chaos in this world today. How many seniors have basically seen their pension come to nothing because of what's happening in the world today? The world is looking for a leader. Look at, look at uh, Osama. Obama, pardon me. Whoops. Don't anybody go away from here saying, Pastor Allen thinks the U.S. president is the Antichrist. <laughs> Look, he hasn't even done anything. He's in office for what, weeks? And he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, what was that about? Now, I mean, if he does something legitimate that really causes peace, then, well, you know, give him the, the prize. I'm, I'm good with that. The reason I bring this up, my friends, is to demonstrate to you how desperate this world is for a world leader, for someone to bring it together, for someone to deal with the chaos, for someone to deal with the economic crisis that's facing the whole world. And if anybody believes what Stephen Harper is saying about how, how strong we are, I've got to tell you, I mean, I love our Prime Minister. Don't get me wrong. I pray for him. But I've got to tell you, we're, we're all in this together. How many know that if US, the USA coughs, we die of the flu? Everybody knows that? You understand that. We're in trouble. We're all in this together. The world is looking for this person. And can I just say this? I'm not making a moral statement here, but I'm going to say this. To have a world leader absolutely makes sense. It's logical. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. Now I'm going to share something with you that will blow your socks off. Jesus says that when all these signs have fallen into place, he says in verse 27, let's take a look at that. Is that there? Or maybe not. Just leave it. Then Jesus says this. He says, Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory, so when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Jesus is saying that when these, all these signs fall into place, and as far as I can see from my studies, there's one last piece of the puzzle, and then Jesus comes. And here's the puzzle piece. 
It's the, the rise of the Antichrist. And we call it the Antichrist, and when we hear that, we think, man, it sounds like a mythological creature. Listen, it's a world leader, if you want to put it in just simple terms. And we're ready for it. But anybody actually disagree with me that the world is ready for a world leader? We're ready for it. And Jesus has said, saying, this is the sign. Oh, this, this is what I was going to tell you. It's going to blow your socks off. 13 days ago, 13 days ago, not two weeks, two weeks less a day. We're talking hot off the press. Reuters, on October the 24th, in Vatican City says this. The Vatican called on Monday for a sweeping reform of the world economy and the creation of an ethical global authority to regulate financial markets as demonstrations against corporate greed continue to spring up in major cities across the globe. This is the Pope calling for one world government. The Vatican called, and by the way, don't anybody go away from here saying Pastor Allen thinks that the Pope is the Antichrist. I'm not, I didn't say that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. The Vatican called for the establishment of a supranational. That means an organization, an authority that includes all of the nations. A supranational authority with worldwide scope and universal jurisdiction. Now, if you don't know what universal jurisdiction means, it means this. It means one world government where one person holds all the power to guide economic policies and decisions. Reuters goes on to say, of course, this transformation will be made at the cost of a gradual, this is going to blow your mind, a gradual balanced transfer of a part of each nation's powers to a world authority and to regional authorities. Wow. This is happening right before our eyes, people. One world government and a one world currency. I never, I never thought I would see this so soon in my lifetime. And it totally makes sense to have this. I never ever would have thought that America would ever transfer any of its power to any world authority, but have you seen the condition that America is in right now? It's on the verge of bankruptcy. I don't know if... Do you realize that? Anybody here realize that? It, who owns their debt? China? Asia? Yeah. Folks, if ever there's been a time, this is it. June, July 9, 2009, Pope Benedict XVI proposed, listen to the wording of this, listen closely, proposed a new world political authority with, with real teeth. Anybody ever hear of the dragon in Revelation? With real teeth? Those are the words. Someone asked me after the first service this morning if I thought that Pope Benedict understood eschatology the way we did. I said there's a very real chance that he does. Um, I'm, don't anybody go away from here saying Pastor Allen doesn't believe that the Pope is a Christian. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not making those kind of judgments. I'm just telling you what's happening in the world today. With real teeth, possibly in place 
in place of the United Nations, to replace the United Nations, to enforce an ethical financial order and end the global financial crisis. His suggested political authority would manage globalization, revive economies, and stop the crisis deepening, protecting the environment, and regulate worldwide migration. It would need to be universally recognized and given power to ensure compliance from all countries. We're talking about a one-world government that controls what happens in the world. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking, wow, Pastor, you're scaring me. I need to be scared. In fact, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When these things begin to happen, stand with confidence. The time when you will be set free is near. Stand up for your redemption draweth nigh. How do we respond? Well, get ready. Be ready. Be ready because Jesus is coming soon. And we know that because every, every sign has been fulfilled but the one, the Antichrist, and the world right now is begging for it. Get ready. Make sure that you don't become drunk, hungover, and worried about life. You know what Jesus is saying there, right? I mean, can I ask here, anybody, how many, when Jesus arrives, wants to greet Jesus drunk or in a hangover? Hey, Lord. It doesn't work, does it? Jesus says, make sure you don't become drunk hung over and worried about life. Then that day could suddenly catch you by surprise like a trap that catches a bird. What do we do in response to a, an eschatological message? Get ready. Be ready. Jesus says, be alert at all times. Pray so that you have the power to escape everything that is about to happen. And to be able to stand in front of Jesus when he comes. You'll be able to face him face to face. Make sure you're not drunk, pleasure-seeking, trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in anything or anyone other than Jesus. That's what he's saying. When he says, don't worry, be worried about life, you know what he's saying? He's saying, make sure that you have faith to trust God so that you're not caught up in the stuff of this life, so that you're not distracted by the things of this life. It's for this reason we have the Faith Life class on Wednesday. Because I want you to be ready to meet Jesus. You come to our class, you'll be taught what you need to know so that you're ready to see Jesus. And it, frankly, it could be at any time. Someone asked me, when do you think, Pastor? When do you think it could be? I said, well, it could be within the next few years. <laughs> it could be the next few months. The way the world's going right now. I mean, do you understand, folks, that Greece, like, are you following this? Like right now, right now as we speak, Europe, the European leaders, the financial leaders of 20 nations are, are engaged in discussion with, with Greece so they make the right decision. It could happen like literally at any moment. When someone steps up, the world leaders come together and say, we need, we need someone to pull this together. I'm, I'm, I want to say to everybody here this morning, you've been warned. 
you got your three-minute warning. Apparently in Canada, you get more warning. I like that. You've been warned. You've been warned by Christ to get it together. Because my Bible says that Jesus could come at any time now. Funny thing about warnings. In February 2008, February 5 and 6 to be exact, there was a freak, a freak of nature produced an outbreak of some 82 tornadoes that ripped through the southern states, causing some $400 million worth of property damage. And there were hundreds of injuries, and many people died. And the question went out, did we give everybody enough warning? And so here's what the, what the report came up with. The report found that the National Weather Service issued tornado warnings on average 17 minutes in advance, in advance of, the, of all the deadly tornadoes. So everybody had at least 17 minutes on average. Some would have been more, some maybe a little less. And those communities and citizens received those warnings and were aware of them. So everybody had been warned and everybody had time to do what needed to be done in response to the warning. Can I just say something before we go any further? This is the kind of God we have. If you know John 3.16, you know that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God doesn't want anybody to perish. And so God gives us the warning. But many people didn't listen. And so here, here's what they found. The warning was ignored by many. And some of those interviewed indicated that they thought the threat was minimal because February is not traditionally tornado season. How many know that there's no Messiah season when Messiahs tend to show up? Be ready. Heed the warning. Many people minimize the threat of personal risk through a thought process, get this, called optimism bias. There's a term for it. Who knew? Optimism bias. And the belief is this, is that bad things always happen to other people. It won't happen in my lifetime. It won't happen to me. I won't see it. And so you think... It'll happen to somebody else. It'll happen in somebody else's lifetime. Eh. Wrong answer. Wrong conclusion. Others ignored the warning because they had no way to be, uh, no, no evacuation plan, so they thought, well, we'll just see what happens. Must have been redneck territory. Well, fight this thing. I'll deal with it when it happens. It was most of them, most of those who thought they could just deal with it when they came, they're the ones that were killed. They ignored the warning because they had no way to evacuate. Can I just say this this morning? Some of you may be sitting here and say, well, I don't know how to get ready, so therefore we'll just see what happens when it happens. Jesus makes it very clear that you need to be ready to meet him face to face. 
You have to have a plan in place. You need to have responded to him. You need to have repented of your sin. You need to have gotten your life in order. You need to make sure that you're living a pure life. You have an evacuation plan, folks. It's called giving your heart to Jesus. It's called surrendering your life. It's called yielding to Christ. And then finally, and this is, this is amazing. And it always, it's, it's, this always amazes me, actually, people who are like this. Still others, others who didn't listen to the warning, they made their own assessment, deciding that the storm posed no significant threat to them. Don't you just like that? I, the rules apply to everybody but me. So they did nothing. 350 people injured, 57 people died, $400 million in damage. This morning, God has given you a warning because he loves you so much. Because he wants you to be ready for when his son returns. Virtually every period in Christian revivals Every period when, when revivals hit the church, the thing that we find as a common thread, among other things, is that people were looking for Jesus' return. That's what's happened to Christianity in North America. We stopped looking for his return, and we started becoming enamored with the things of this world. The temporal became more important to us than the eternal. And this morning, the Spirit of God is here to speak to you, to remind you to get your head back in the game, to remind you that there's only two minutes left before the game is over. Are you ready? Would you stand with me, please?